Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Blast from the Past podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lim. And I'm Adelie Elizabeth, and welcome to this magical episode all about... The Boy Who Lived, Harry Potter. But first, before we get started, let's talk a little bit about our week. So, to get started, my week has still been a bit of a bumpy ride. I expected to get a job posting um, and actually get the job and was called about that Monday and sadly I didn't get the job, so I was a bit sad about that. Um, but it did spike a completely different idea. I figured if I, um, if I couldn't get hired somewhere, why not start my own company? So That's a great idea. Yeah, that's how that process started. I'm working towards it, trying to get all my paperwork in order. Yeah, it's really exciting. How about your week? Uh, so my week, uh, so I've just been enjoying vacation. I I actually just recently made a post in my in my building group asking if anyone would be interested in uh, doing a short summer movie project. And when I say short, I really had unrealistic expectations of it being a week long, but uh, surprisingly, there's actually quite a few people that want to partake in this project. And, um, and yeah, so, uh, so I'm going to be shooting, uh, and directing a project this summer. Uh, I want it <laughs> ideally to just last around a week or two. Um, but yeah, so that's something that's new other than that. Uh, yeah, I got my BSA in the mail, so... I've officially made it into the program. Uh, can't kick me out. Congrats. You guys are stuck with me. And uh, and yeah, so can't go back home though. Uh, unfortunately, there is a ban on American tourists in the Schengen region. So, so yeah. Really? I thought, but I mean, the American aircrafts are still flying in here with American people. But I know America's not accepting any European tourists and they're only accepting their own nationals back in... Yeah, but I, I read that recently it has been uh, that American tourists can no longer enter Europe at this point in time. All right. It oh. may have changed, but uh, I'm fortunately not going to be taking any, any risks. So, because uh, I, you know, all my friends are here and girlfriends here. and you know, Your life is here now. Yeah, and plus the only people I know in Hawaii would be my family. So, it's uh, so yeah, here I am. Um so, uh, to get started, we uh, will go right in. Uh, so, Harry Potter. This is a beloved and cherished film series uh, known by just about everyone, so we didn't really feel that it was kind of necessary to uh, talk about, you know, exactly the backstory too much, but uh, some maybe interesting facts uh, about the film and its process. So, Harry Potter was actually originally uh, published in... The June 26, 1997, as the Philosopher's Stone by Bloomsbury Publishing after it was rejected by almost a dozen uh, housing companies, such as Penguin, Transworld, and HarperCollins. Which are really the big ones, to be honest. I mean, if you browse through anybody's book closet, if they still have one, those are the major logos on the backs of the books. I have quite a few Penguin books. And, uh, Me too. And yeah, it's, yeah, so these were big ones. And funny enough... Uh, so the CEO of Bloomsburg uh, Publishing, actually, the binding of the book was in an intricate black, and it caught the eye of uh, a low-level assistant who then passed it on, and by, by chance, uh, 
the CEO, uh, whose name uh, was Nigel, uh, if I'm trying to recall from the top of my head, Nigel. I've heard something. this story. Yeah, it's it's quite a story where the 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 book would kind of by coincidence end up on his desk, and he read through it, and he was the only one who really believed in it. Yeah, it was a uh, Nigel Newton. Yeah, that was funny his name. enough. Newton, uh, which is very appropriate to what I study. Um, he actually gave it to his eight year old daughter who read it, and after an hour, she came back down from the stairs, glowing with excitement, and asked where the next book was asked where the story went so and it was essentially just history from there uh but the book itself harry potter the story took a full five years to develop and an additional two to actually get published i know it must have been such a struggle for her even at that times you know female authors were of course normalized um but you had female authors that were specifically active in some segments so in the more fantasy adult segments they're usually very active and then of course in in the girly corner and in the higher literary work but this is such a different kind i reckon she really started her own genre at some point yeah it was a yeah there's a lot of fantasy a lot of fabio you know kind of novels out there yeah long hair riding on a horse shirtless and uh and she really turned that on its head yeah she did instead has this male figure in a closet under the stairs you know uh, it was so scarcely appropriate and so easy to imagine yourself as a child that it was just spot on i can't believe so many publishing companies turned her down because if you look at it in hindsight it's a brilliant kid's story a bit on the dark side sometimes but so entertaining yeah it, it, it really does have a, a journey and it really depth and depth lore as well like there's a full encyclopedia out that's about the different plants and vegetation and uh creatures that live in this world yeah like there, there's a lot of different things that you just add to it and that i think is also something that's really fun because you can't put a limit there you can always always add more creatures yes and i think the the world of harry potter over the series of all the books and the movies have really expanded out to be an actual world i remember looking at the first movie and what really got to you was just a castle in the landscape which was the school Mm. and later on they started branching out so much actually um where was harry potter supposed to take place because i heard this developed over the manuscript as well yeah so actually um when it was first acquired uh they actually wanted to make it take place in the United States. And really? John Williams was already asked and uh, and he agreed to do the film. So John Williams was already there. The only person that was missing was a, a Mr. Lucas or a Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> and actually Steven Spielberg uh, was actually working on another project at the time, but he had actually wanted, uh, he wanted to have Haley Joel Osment who some of you may know him as the boy from the sixth sense. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Or some of you may know him as Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Really? Yeah, he's a voice actor for Sora. Oh, I didn't know. So that's pretty interesting. So the Harry Potter we know today, you know, tiny guy glasses, was actually in his mind someone who was really far off from that because they don't look alike at all. No, and uh, and funny enough, he uh, Spielberg actually wanted to make it into an animated. Maybe. Really? Yeah, and he wanted to cast Robin Williams as Hagrid, which would have been very interesting. Very interesting. But I think indeed. Robbie Coltrane kind of hit it on the nail, though. Yeah, definitely. But that's super interesting that because today we know Harry Potter is something really British 
the train station, the way they act, the culture they have around it, and to have it set place in America is. Uh, it I wouldn't must, have had the same charm. No, and but I must say the place where Harry Potter originally lived with his uncle and aunt. If you look at the movie and you look at those pictures, all the houses lined up in one neat street. That really still gives me an American vibe. It very much was an American vibe, and I think for the people watching, at least uh, from where I was, you know, it looked like just a street <laughs> in suburbia. Exactly, yeah. And uh, the people just talked funny, and <laughs> and to an American child's ears. So, so that's what what could have happened, but thankfully, thankfully didn't. Also, I think it would have been hard to kind of envision a, a majority of kids wearing uniforms which american schools don't wear uniforms it's not that common anymore but in britain it's still the standard rule if you go to school you get a uniform and i think in the states it's less and less and less no it's very very casual very much where you're on it's like in europe we don't have any school uniforms here well you know most major european countries don't do this anymore and i think it's it's okay i mean i i think it's good that you get to express yourself through your clothing it makes you kind of a unique person yeah well i guess there's there's arguments for both things, and uh, but yeah, regardless, I think it was probably the right choice. So, yeah. with this split of um, not being American as as giving a home base for the movie, it went to England. But what about the main character? They, so it actually went as far as to cast uh, an American actor, uh, Liam Aiken, who, if you recall, he is the actor who played uh, Klaus Baudelaire. From the series of Fortune Events, the yeah. original movie with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And uh, he was actually signed on, so he got that far. Already? Um, oh, God. But it was actually... So he actually flew over to London, and it was there that J.K. Rowling insisted that it take place in Britain, and therefore it should have a British actor, which, of course, Liam understood as a kid, you know, took it pretty well and went on to do other projects, but... But that uh, that started the casting for British British actors and British kids, and that's I guess where uh, Daniel Radcliffe came in, later starring as the one and only Harry Potter. Yeah, with a very thick British accent, to be fair, which kind of developed in not such a thick accent over the main lines. Well, I think as you, you know, get older, you kind of get exposed to more different you know types of characters way back when there were when we were still really into the harry potter movie release and whatnot i read an entire article about um daniel radcliffe and when he was first signed on to be harry potter that he had to take um lessons to uh to have less of a thick british accent but more of like this fluid english london accent because yeah. in england typically all the regions have of course, they all have a British accent, but they typically have their own little accent, which mm. is sometimes very hard to understand. Yeah. I'm a what? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> exactly. A uh. wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, definitely changed over time, but I think we all kind of get our accents over time from where we are. And I think, especially in the film world in Britain, it also exposes you to a lot, you know, that more kind of centralized Western uh, version yeah. of... Uh, British English. Those those must have been one of his biggest fears, though. You know, getting casted for a movie, thinking you're the perfect one, and then no, go and take speaking lessons to make sure your accent yeah. kind of morphs into what you what you want to do. Yeah. So talk about fears. Talking about fears. Uh, 
So J.K. Rowling uh, has stated that if Voldemort saw a Bogart for the well, uh, came across a Bogart, which is the creature that shows your fears, if you recall from the Prisoner of Ax- Azkaban yes. with the chest and Lupin opening yes. it up, uh, he would actually see his own corpse because death is the one thing that Voldemort fears. Is, I thought a mirror would be dead because that man in, or thing is god awful, very ugly. He fears uh, a nose, no, but uh, definitely he, a nose. But that is interesting because if you think about it, he went through such intense lengths to preserve his his soul and his body over time, and, uh, and I think that also is a little bit of a message, like uh, to just you know we all have a natural time to go, and if you change that, if you split your soul across you know separate pieces of uh, of items, you know you you essentially you lose yourself, you lose part of yourself, and. Uh, I think that this that just went very out. deep and very f- uh, philosophical in like 2.3 seconds. It was a very, uh, it's a very kind of solid take, it point. Was, it was taken from, uh, I think, Half Blood Prince as well. But <laughs> let's talk about a different split or a different crossroads. So, Emma Watson, who we all know as Hermione Granger, actually uh, was considering leaving the role of Hermione after the Order of the Phoenix, which is when her contract was up. And uh, she debated about this for a while. Um, but, you know, inevitably she realized that, you know, people would really, really hate her if she just left the Hermione role because it was already such a hugely popular series. Yeah. And, uh, and so she, they renegotiated the contract and shooting after Order of the Phoenix actually worked around um, Emma Watson's schedule so that she could take her A-level exams, which she... Of course, passed with straight A's. Of course. And uh, attended Brown University. Lucky her. I so, mean, I think it's yeah. a lot of, uh, a lot of like academic younger people around here would really dream of going to Brown University. They yeah. It's good. like, you know, you get to be a really, you know, famous actress. Yeah. And then on top of that, you get to go to a really prestigious school, like, you know, and, and expand yourself in both ways. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think she definitely. After that, she definitely became on a much higher tier of the uh, of the actress pool as well. Definitely, and kudos for her that she was able to combine that because that's a tough life. It is. It is very uh, demanding. Uh, the film industry, especially as as a kid. Yeah. You know, you you have different rights and you have different uh, things and scheduling cl- uh, that they have to abide by as well. So it's already tough to break into the industry if you want to get an education. As a kid actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Segwaying from that, uh, I think it'd be great to talk about what our experiences were growing up with Harry Potter. Oh, yes. Um, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, so growing up, I, I remember my grandmother actually had bought the books for Harry Potter and would read them to me when I was again over in the States. It's known as uh, the Sorceress Stone. Uh, and... And so we would read Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone one chapter a night, and I grew up listening to to that as well as you know, of course, other things like Chronicles of Narnia and whatnot. But but that was my first exposure, and and of course the first movie, which I can't remember if I saw it in theaters, but I remember vividly owning it on tape. Um, I was six when the first movie came out. I think I did see it in theaters actually. I did. Yeah. And uh, 
And yeah, I remember growing up each year, you always looked forward to the Thanksgiving season because that's when the new Harry Potter was going to come out. Oh, that's and, clever. Uh, at least in the States. Mm. It always came out uh, around, well, because my birthday is in November. It would sometimes come out on my birthday. So Lucky you. So yeah, it was, a, it was an extra excuse to uh, wait in the long lines for me. I remember the lines were pretty, pretty long. Oh yeah, it was hectic. And, and it yet, was full on frenzy. And this continued for 10 years. <laughs> and it still does. I mean, there's theme parks, there is new book series, there is anime, there is movie, there is There's games. a Harry Potter anime? Yes. I have not seen that Harry Potter anime. Not a lot of people have. Is it an exclusive Japanese kind of thing? Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, I I remember <laughs> I remember we'd go on these walks growing up, and I'd try to find like some sort of magical looking object, like a like a wand or a staff. Uh, usually, I found like a giant stick, and I would just call it my staff. Aww. And uh, yeah, it was a bit That's more adorable. A bit more Gandalf than uh than Dumbledore. But anyways, so. So yeah, that and of course trying to make different potions in the bathroom using shaving cream and toothpaste and water and Listerine and trying to write down exactly what we put down. Uh, this is me and my sisters trying to write exactly what we put down in this cup and then mix it. Of course we wouldn't drink it. Hell no. But in case like we made like a potion that worked, we just wanted to remember the recipe. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, and I, of course, as it started to near the end of... Uh, it's film series run, uh, the original uh, eight films. Uh, I actually was it started eight? watching. Really? Yeah. Well, there are seven books, and then they split the last one in two parts. I can't even. Half Blood Prince, and then uh, Deathly ha Hollows, part one. Part, part two? two. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I almost yeah. forgot that there is so many books, so many movies. That it's such a lengthy story. It, it continued on for. Yeah, eight, 10 years. I think even 11 years, because I think, yeah, because the part two, uh, I think was in 2012. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And still today, kind of, because recently she released sort of a side book. Maybe this is one or two years ago already, which doesn't necessarily go into the stories uh, of Harry Potter, but goes more into the stories of the supporting characters in the story and about the entire world. It's not that long ago. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, pretty she popular as well. Well, she also continued uh, the story with uh, the cursed child, which my sister and my mother, thankfully, were able to see in London uh, before. Now, this was a couple years ago, so there was like no quarantine or anything, but uh, there were a lot of crowds. Oh yeah. Yeah. But but, uh, but yeah, uh, growing up, you know, defined you know my adolescence and my uh, teenage years. Not necessarily for me. I do recognize the, the potion making or the potion making. I did the same, but I just did it in the kitchen, basically creating poison, not necessarily Oh, potion. it was 100% poison. poison. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I used like herbs from the kitchen and leaves I would pick outside. Oh, yeah. Some nightshade, some it, garlic. <laughs> definitely. And my mother some would bleach. always be like, oh, my God. And then, I, of course, I would not drink it myself. I would offer it to other people and be like, this is very good for you. Oh, I was, I never went that far. I oh, was, I did. Yeah. I just like, we, we each smelled it <laughs> and then we're like, yeah, this smells bad. It, it smells clean, but not something I would drink. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we did that. But then I think as kids, you do that for like two minutes, waste a shit ton of uh, shaving cream. Of course, you know, I got to experience that because my younger sisters did the same thing when I, because I was already shaving, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't even think you need Harry Potter for that, but I was already shaving like, uh, like I think 10 years ago. And my little sisters who were like very much like eight, seven years old, uh, they would take my shaving cream and then I would try to shave, but then I'm like, what? Nothing what happens. Heck? It's all gone. Yeah. And then I'm like, mom, they used all, all the shaving and cream. cream. I'm like, well, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it happens just like, it's okay. And then of course there was the whole slime thing, which took a, uh. yeah, but, but this fears veers off uh, from my experience of Harry Potter. But anyways, what was your experience like? Well, aside from creating poison slash potions, which mm. I really adored. Um, I do that today. <laughs> which I really had a good time doing. And I also wrote down my recipes and I also gave them a name. So I was a bit more, yeah, advanced in that part. You gave them a name. I gave them a name. Yeah, definitely. I must still have it somewhere. I don't know what it, probably something I kept. Did they ever change? Did you actually ever change the color of them? Like, because it usually for us always came out to be like a darkish blue. Oh, no. Mine were brown, green, red, orange. Oh, because you added blue. herbs. Okay. Herbs, yeah. yeah. And they changed color. So, um, and my mom was like, okay, here's some soda water. Here's this, here's that. So, some of them actually had bubbles in them. And it was so much fun. Um, the first Harry Potter movie I saw was in the theater, and that was, of course, The Philosopher's Stone, which is the same as your movie, but then, you know, different name. Was I it actually called yeah. Sorcerer's Stone? Because in the movie, they don't even say Philosopher's Stone, they say Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, but it was called not The Sorcerer's Stone here, it was called The Philosopher's Stone. But in Dutch. But in Dutch, yes, okay, because, of enough. course, it was yeah, yeah. resynchronized because I was... I was no, well, not extremely young, but I was still young in English. I understood a lot, but an entire movie in English was too difficult. So my first real encounter with that was in a movie theater. And it wasn't actually me going there. It was my nephew going there for his birthday party. And that's how I first got introduced to Harry Potter. What I remember very vividly from this is that when Harry Potter started getting popular, people uh, start adopting uh, owls as really? a pet. Yeah. And two or three months later... Uh, the owl sanctuary in Netherlands was filled up because people started dumping their owls as well because they're not suitable as pets. No, they're like a foal. Like you need to wear a glove just to have it yeah. on your arm. Otherwise it will And it needs hunting ground and whatever what. So I always had mixed feelings about Harry Potter because I felt that on one extent it portrayed uh, an owl being a good pet, which I didn't really agree on. And uh, on the other extent, I really loved it because I loved the magical world they created. And broomstick stocks sword. So, I mean, <laughs> it yeah. was a win-win. No, uh, well, actually, yeah, commonly, my mother was known as a forest witch, so we always had broomsticks everywhere. That's funny. She was a bit of a witch at those times, though. Very good. Yeah. Very good with some things. 2000s. Crazy times. Crazy, crazy times. Anyways, uh, so uh, we're going to play you a song. This is from the uh, ballroom scene in Goblet of Fire. This is from the band that was playing during during that segment. Uh, this is Do the Hippogriff uh, by a bunch of names that are way too long. Uh, by 
Jason Buckle, Steve Clayton, Jarvis Cocker, and friends. And so many more people. But yeah, let's get on to that music. Here it is. do the hippogriff so well you know that was quite interesting i expected i didn't remember that song anymore and expected something more on the like 
dancing, slow dancing, or sort of more upbeat funk townish thing. But it's not very much that. No, it's, it's not. A, it doesn't have a Macarena sense of. Uh, it was very much like the first time Harry Potter was trying to be, and and keep in mind this is 2004, so this is like very much like trying to like stay kind of true to like what the kids are kind of listening to a little bit today, right? In the wizarding right. sense, right? And uh, which is also interesting because this also takes place in the 90s, technically according to the book, but they kind of break that a little bit. In the movies, they definitely do because yeah. more tech is involved at some point. Yeah, and like even Harry Potter has a flip phone. But uh, yeah, that was a real revelation. At some point, like you have a phone. It was super weird because mm. usually they would use owls to communicate. So, enough about my ranting about owls. Tell me, what's your favorite Harry Potter book or movie? So, my favorite movie, because unfortunately I did not read the books after uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, and actually, no, I think I, I think I also read, uh, Chamber of Secrets, but my favorite movie was Goblet of Fire, actually. It, uh, so it starts off, you know, you have, um, you know, you have this tri-wizarding tournament and everyone, and this is the first time you see that there are other schools out there. I know, that's why it's also my favorite movie. It just starts off with this gleam and they're going back to Hogwarts and then there's the Tri-Wizard Tournament and other schools are competing. You're like, wait, there's other schools? And you see this uh, for the first time, you know, Hogwarts is just like one school of many that could exist across uh, across. The, the globe. You I know. know. We, we have like an Eastern European school for boys uh, and then a Western uh, European uh, school for just women. And uh, and we see that there's more of a romance in these uh, in this film. So this is when I, romance starts to kind of take its role. Uh, and become important. Because, you know, the, the characters are kind of getting to that age where, yeah, okay, they start to have crushes, they start to have feelings yes. and jealousy. And and uh, and yeah, so the, these are the themes that are explored as well. And of course, we see, you know, the different games and the challenges uh, with the dragons. But what really really and uh, the huge mate and then the the fight underwater and and this was also the first movie where you saw what Voldemort actually looked like yes. in full form and this was something that was just so eye opening for a, a lot of kids especially my age at the time i, I think uh 2004 i was 9 years old and and you see like for the first time, like the eeriness and like the kind of the the, the snake like uh, way that Voldemort really is when he's at his prime, right? And it it struck like a like it, it for the first time Harry Potter made a turn. It made a change from like this kid friendly like a oh let's you know go solve the 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 magic puzzle and 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 save the day save Hogwarts. Now it was a uh, okay a, a great evil has returned and it's you gonna know. kill you. A great evil has returned, and this is the birth of of something that uh, that will be the prelude to to a war. You know, this yes. is, and this was a yeah. It's a very much the turning point in the Harry Potter universe, and this is also why 
I I love it so much. That and also you see Dumbledore kind of loses shit just a little bit. He's like, "Hey, but did you put your name in the pot? Goblet of Fire!" And uh, you know he he's very frantic. And uh, it's the first time yeah. you get a different vibe from him from being like this steady professor know everything person mm-hmm. it's the first time in all the movies that he really shows a different side of him and that's why i think it's so interesting that's why this is all of my favorite movie because there's so much going on and he also you you see more of a comedic aspect of dumbledore as well with mr felch yes who continuously throughout the movie uh just completely interrupts dumbledore by accident by setting off the cannon or doing some sort of thing yeah and you see like the tension between the two just build up over the course to where dumbledore is just like when Mr. Filch messes up again, he just <laughs> throws his arms up in the air and just like walks off a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's the first movie and maybe that's also because of my age. I was 11, 11 or 12 at that time that I really saw there was different kinds of humor in Harry Potter. There was really kitty humor stuff and then there was the more mature humor stuff. Indeed, with Dumbledore mm. throwing his arms in the air and you just got those tensions a lot better or I got them a lot better. And I remember this movie so vividly Again, because of all the different schools coming in, but also because the romance is first time really set in. And I always thought Harry and um, Hermione would end up as a couple. Boy, I was wrong because they didn't go together to that I, dance. I kind of knew that Hermione and Ron were going to be a thing. There was just... How? Well, someone had to be with Ron. Yeah, that's true. You know? Because he was not easy to be with. No. And oh. only a friend or a mother could love you know that sort of goofiness. But anyways. I did love Hermione's dress, though, when she went to the ball with this huge-ass Eastern European Viking. Victor Crumb. Victor yes. Crumb. Yeah, yeah, a uh, giant boulder of a man. Um, nice dress. And uh, and we also saw more uh, involvement with the other houses as well. Yes, because you lived your first Harry Potter adventures just... In Hogwarts, with the four houses, you know, people having interaction among those houses, but still staying very separate. I just noticed now that you're wearing a, a band with collars of a house. Is this? Yes, this is a. Uh, I wore this today. This is um, I uh, I took a Pottermore quiz. All oh, of, all, of the member, all the members of my family. Uh, we do our own kind of sorting ceremony. And we each take the Pottermore quiz. Are you a Gryffindor? And I am indeed a Gryffindor. I took the Pottermore test and I took it twice actually just to make sure. <laughs> and, and, uh, and yeah, so I'm a Gryffindor. And What makes you a Gryffindor? Uh, apparently I'm brave, I'm loyal, I'm honest, uh, handsome, humble. Uh, let's see, what, what else can I say? Uh, I'm... Meant to do great things, of course, clearly. Uh, clearly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just really emphasis on the humble part. I just, without even trying, I just win. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, what, what other traits of a Gryffindor do I have? Oh, yeah. Um, I make all other houses just completely insignificant. And, uh, <laughs> oh, you sound like a true Gryffindor now. Exactly. So... So yeah, no, but, you were uh, telling me your family all did this test? So yeah, we all do this test. We don't know what uh, the littlest is yet because there's no Slytherin in my family. We So I'm a Gryffindor. My sister Catherine, uh, the one below me, is a Ravenclaw. Julia, the one below that, is a Gryffindor. Gwenny is a Hufflepuff. 
but we all knew she was going to be a Hufflepuff. Uh, Why? You, you kind of know at a certain point. But anyways, uh, and she tested, she tested Hufflepuff. And uh, the fourth, uh, fourth sister, the youngest one, we don't know what house she is yet, so we just kind of gave her Slytherin. <laughs> Oh, uh, why? No, no, it's, it's fine. Well, we needed to complete the house crest. Uh, but yeah, so I have this uh, wristband that my mom made from scratch uh, with uh, gold and red. And uh, I haven't worn it in a while. But but yeah, so I'm wearing that today. And this is, uh, you know, Harry Potter was, was a huge thing for, uh, for us. And I actually have a Gryffindor crest in my apartment that my uh, mother left for me. And uh, she actually, before she left uh, Amsterdam, she gave me one last gift to uh, to remember her. And she gave me Cluedo, Harry Potter. And on the inside uh, was uh, was like a letter, handwritten letter in Aww. ink. And she left like a sock Aww. and said that Jonathan is free. Because I was going to university and they were leaving to Hawaii and... Uh, and yeah, uh, Aww, so that's yes. so sweet. Yeah, Aww. so that's your mother's it. such a darling. Yeah, I miss him a lot. I yeah. understand. Unfortunately, I can't go back. Well, my sister is actually turning nine this uh, this in a ugh, in like a week or so. Congrats! Uh, I I can't I can't make it. Cause, mm. Yeah, it's I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm but actually a Ravenclaw. I kind of figured. Uh, you, you have the glasses. You kind of have like the the bookworm kind of kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I could read you like a kilometer away. Mm, yeah, I I didn't think I was a Ravenclaw. I took this test I think two or three years ago, and I always thought I would end up at Hufflepuff or Gryffindor. But oh, no. you don't strike me as a Hufflepuff. Mm. You, you you are across the board Ravenclaw. Yeah, that's that's what it said. And now thinking about, it, I was like, oh yeah, I was actually Ravenclaw. I don't know of any like notable Ravenclaws either. Well, there is a. There's Luna Lovegood. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Found one. Luna, I thought she was Hufflepuff for some reason. No, she's apparently notable members, including Luna Lovegood, Gilderoy Lockhart, and Phileas Flitwick. I don't have a clue who that is. Gilderoy Lockhart? Yeah. I thought he scammed his way. Well, you know, a good scam is often wise to do. Whenever you don't have the brain power, there's always another way. I thought it was just a random dude that was an adult that just learned a spell and uh, wrote a book. Well, you know, scheming your way up to the top shelf. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, those, that's my experience. Uh, and that, as well as my favorite book and, and movie, Goblet of Fire. Um, my least favorite uh, Harry Potter movie is, is the one right after that one. Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix, yeah. I remember that being set on such a different theme. Also, I never really understood the whole scene in the beginning of the movie, which took place in the center of London, with the bus moving in and out and the buildings moving separate from each other. It just gave such a dark vibe. Yeah, it was a, it was very much a shift from the... Well, I, like I said, the Goblet of Fire was like that shift from cheery happy-go-lucky adventures to more dark and intense journeys because you also have to imagine you know they're changing the movies to reflect the audience that started 
with Harry Potter. You know, who's going to be in this age range? And then as they grow up and watch the movies a bit more, what are their needs? What do they, what do they want to see as they grow up? So the movies actually grow up with the audiences, as, as you notice. Like, there's a stark contrast from the first Harry Potter film to the last one that came out. I think overall the series became darker um, and not necessarily a lot more mature, but to some extent... People started dying. Yes. And it also was very visible that people were dying. Death suddenly became one of the major themes where it wasn't present in the first four. It was suggested and it was kind of hinted at. But yeah, these were close friends, close family and, and... uh, yeah, so I think Goblet of Fire, actually, that was the first one where you saw an actual friend uh, die yes. and not come back. I remember this scene. I'm not sure from which movie it came. Perhaps you know. Um, Harry Potter's with the Weasleys, and they're going to some kind of external tournament-ish. And they, for some reason, they brought their whole house. It w- yeah, that was a Goblet of Fire. Yeah, then we have yeah. the same least favorite movie because I remember seeing the skull. That That's not my least favorite movie. Goblet of Fire is my favorite one. Is this for sure? This, this, is this the same movie? Because I remember... Yeah, Goblet of Fire was when the Death Eaters attacked. That was when Death Eaters became a thing. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with that one. That, that I was did. What I thought it was very scary. Intensity. Not scariness. But the one I... Di- didn't like the most was Order of the Phoenix because it, uh, the theme of it was very much uh, isolation. You know, Harry was trying to get in contact with Dumbledore, a, a good friend over the years, and and he just kept getting ignored, yes. ignored. And I remember now. And then we have uh, Umbridge, the bitch in pink, who is played by a wonderful actress. Uh, oh God! Yes, yes, it it it's coming back. Um, this is also the movie in which they get stuck in in the magical magical cabinet or something. Not he kind of is presented Harry Potter as sort of on trial. I think that's the same movie. They're running around in this huge library, which is part of the the minister's cabinet of magic. Um, yeah, and they're dropping like you know. Uh, prophecy balls like yes. across the board, and uh, but uh, Imelda Staunton, who who played uh, Professor Umbridge, uh, did an incredible job, and she actually is married to um, to a, another actor who actually um, played in a uh, in Little Vampire, which is a film that um, Harry Potter produced. Yeah. I mean, the production of Harry Potter produced a lot of couples, actually. It did, uh, but. Again, these are people who've worked with each other for 10 years, so it's kind of a no-brainer as well. Fair enough. If you work on a project long enough, you know, you're, you're bound to develop some sort of bonds and, and, and friendships along the way. Yes. And I think it, it's such a magical experience, no pun intended, uh, to be part of some sh- something mm, so big. Definitely. Can we do a song? Yes. So now we're going to do another song, again from Goblet of Fire. This is, this is the night. Uh, by the same people uh, who wrote uh, Do the Hippogriff. Here it is. Woo!
this is the night so so yeah uh a lot of songs from that band and i i just really want to emphasize that these it, it must be incredibly stressful to already have to think of a song that fits into a wizarding world that is also hip and not oh naughty 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 yeah, sort of thing and uh yeah, yeah. I, I mean okay so the macarena might have been a bit overdoing it especially looking at the last song, because I would have thought that that song would have been themed around that. But this was definitely different. But yeah. still, in that setting, it really fit it. So, yeah, good for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has that kind of vibe. Um, so, yeah. while we're talking about vibe and everything... So and staying hip. Huh? And staying hip. And staying hip. Um, if you find yourself in a Harry Potter story... Um, which character would you want to be or what's your favorite character? So if I were a character in a Harry Potter uh, movie, I, well, clearly I'm Gryffindor. Um, I would love to have gone on my own adventure and made my own kind of mark in the Harry Potter universe in some way to be of somewhat significance uh, if I could have been involved in some sort of finding of a horcrux or uh, a finding of some way that could have helped harry potter and his friends i would have loved to have done that in some sort of like different timeline or story you strike me as a protagonist anyhow i guess yeah i mean clearly there's no her other harry potter than harry potter but i i would have liked to have played some sort of significant role mm, yeah. so so yeah i mean yeah i i, I think i probably would have focused in some sort of, uh, I want to say horticulture. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. So, 
maybe something plant-like uh, in the Harry Potter universe or, or something of the sort. Plant probably professor. Would, probably would have actually worked for the ministry. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But I see you being a leader there as well for some reason. Yeah, maybe. But one of the good guys. Oh, definitely. One that, one that like stood up to like the Death Eaters. So. Definitely. You strike me as that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so where would you find yourself in a Harry Potter story? I would 100% be a character that actually comes from her favorite movie. Her name is Fleur Delacour. She is, mm -hmm. if you recall, this scene where How this huge carriage comes in with these flying horses. She's one of the first ones to exit in this baby blue fancy uniform. And I just looked at that and I was like, girl, yeah. You're my new favorite character. Yeah, it was uh, kind of hard to miss. Uh, she uh, definitely uh, was very, uh, very attractive. Woman. Very, very beautiful as well. Shapely. But also very, very good magic skills. And I would have loved to play her in her own separate like movie plot thing at that school with all the fantastic stuff around that. Because that school must have been taking place in some kinds of huge ass palace with all kinds of fineries in, in there. Yeah. Mm. Sounds very, very fancy. Mm. Very, yeah. yeah, so for sure, definitely that one. I would absolutely love, love to adore that. Now let me ask, if you could master a spell from Harry Potter, what would it be? 100% sure Aqua Eructo. Because it would be so super useful to be able to get water anywhere I ever wanted it. And to also use it in my advantage, just clear an entire street with water. Super handy. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it would be handy and people wouldn't be in need of water anymore as well, mm -hmm. which is still a crisis going on, uh, as well as clean water. Um, and you? I Don't tell me you expect a Patrona, come on. Well, when you say it like that, it's uh, kind of hard to not think of expect a Patrona. Um, no, I, I, I think... Uh, I think a spell in. <laughs> I think a pushing spell or a pulling. The one that cleans up all the stuff. <gasps> That's so super useful. I can't useful. remember. Yeah, I, I, I can't know. Remember. Um, um, I sort of. I can't remember what that one was, though. Like, I was trying to think really hard. Um. I got as far as clean up spell Harry Potter on Google. <laughs> Well, you know, they must have the answer for that. While you search that, I will just tell you about my favorite artifact. So there is one thing I always loved. and Scorgify. Scorgify, yeah, of course. Yeah. It was so super handy. Everything just cleaned up. You just walked in and everything was tidy. Yeah, broken chandelier, broken... To have that spell, like I would never get any back talk from my friends who come over and drink my beer. No, because the beer bottles would also clear themselves exactly, up. Exactly, and they would <laughs> fill back up. You can just uh, do a little little magic there. Uh, yeah, in a perfect world. But yeah, no, I, I would have uh, the Scourgeify spell, also known as the cleanup spell, mm -hmm. and uh, that would save me so much time. So aside from this spell, do you have a favorite artifact? Ooh, there's so many. I, I think if I owned the... Try Wizard Cup. I'd probably just drink out of it <laughs> all the time. Big cup, though. Um, yeah, it's a very big cup. Only for like the, it's like a giant. It's like that giant big gulp. Like, uh, oh, you don't guys don't have it here, but it's like a giant 
like soda soda cup but uh but no artifact i would love the time spinner oh it's my favorite as well the time turning pendant i think this is why we're such great co-hosts i i guess yeah. my yeah. best friend actually has a replica of it in her house and she's had it forever been hanging on one of her lamps usually near her desk and uh, nowadays it just hangs in the living room i was always mesmerized by that i don't know how they ever i mean invented that thing i mean draw it up thought of it it's beautiful and it's such beautifully made as well so one thing definitely that thing yeah yeah and uh my sister actually has one uh like a necklace one that turns so. oh i'm so jealous also that like disappear coat would also be very handy and visibility cloak yeah yeah, yeah. that would also be extremely handy or just a flying broom. I would love that as well. I'm not one for invisibility unless like I was like on a stealth mission or something like that. But uh but yeah, I I think time travel could be beneficial in some ways. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I know it's gonna be messy though, but Yeah, well I mean it's no DeLorean, but you know, it's uh <laughs> it has its has its uh handy functions, especially yes. if you're late to class, like Hermione was. I mean, honestly, she did so well because she just had that extra bit of time of studying. Mm. Yeah, she had all the time to just read the book. I wish I would have had that during my master's. I mean, honestly, now writing a thesis time is just going by so quickly. I think it was also a thing in the video games where you had to use it. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> funny enough, I, I got my first exposure to the Harry Potter video games from a friend who accidentally let left his uh, Order of the Phoenix PS2 game. There was an Order of the Phoenix PS2 game? I yeah. never knew that. Oh. Yeah, and uh, th this was much higher quality than the um, <laughs> original couple game of Boy. games. Game Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of different installments for Which that. Which was a lot of fun, though, because my very first game was the one on the Game Boy, and it was sort of... Yeah. It, it, was, was, a, it was a 3D platformer, kind of like a... Like a well... Uh, 3D, but in a 2D sense, where it was yeah. like a like a Cubert kind of thing. Hmm. All right. So no, the Game Boy version really was like Zelda: you walk around random places, collecting stuff, mm -hmm. fighting scary dogs, finding scary dogs, running away from Filch's cat. But in the PS2 version of Order of the Phoenix, uh, you go around and you actually with the right stick. You move your wand, and depending on the combination of the moves, uh, produces a spell. And uh, and yeah, so that was my first exposure. And then when my sisters started playing more games, we got the Harry Potter uh, Lego video game series. Yeah, I've heard about that. And uh, they only had the special edition at the GameStop that I went to to buy the game. And it came with like a special like Lego brick of like the different houses and and. Uh, you thought I just want to have the game. I just wanted the game, and but what was kind of meh is that it only had the the movies that had come out at that point, which uh. was like one to four. Mm. And so yeah, eventually they released like a complete like film season thing, uh, like I think a year or so ago. Question though. After those releases, have the Harry Potter games been up? Because I don't recall seeing them for the last five years. Well, uh, well, like I said, they, they merged the two different versions together just a couple of years ago. And, uh, and that's like on the newer consoles, PS4, Xbox One. So, so Interesting, because I don't recall seeing them 
out, especially not the last, um, the last movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, it came out like I think when the last movies finished, like 2012, 2013. So because I see, is this a game? Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So I, I grew up playing those games, and in those games, you don't have to do a combination of different uh, movements with the right stick. You actually just can select the spell from like a wheel, and then just use a circle to uh, to produce that spell. And Voldemort looked very weird, but then again, he was Lego Voldemort. And the Dementors, ooh, the Dementors absolutely terrify the bejesus out of me as a kid. I remember walking down the street one time and this raven flew over my head and I had just seen uh, Prisoner of Azkaban Aww. and I just like shook. And, uh, and I was like, oh, it was just a raven or was it? Well, did you ever? Yeah, well, you played the Game Boy games. I, I, I actually only played the Game Boy games. I only played Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, um, the, the, the very first version one, which was released on the Game Boy. Uh, I remember the box art very vividly. Um, I think I even played it on the Game Boy Advance, not even on the collar. I think it was an advanced one. Yeah, I, I, I believe there was one on the Game Boy Advance SP that I played. There was a several. They actually did uh, uh, several because the games didn't necessarily overlap with the movies. There's more games than that there's movies. But that's also because there's a lot of spin-off games. There is... Um, a bunch of spin-off games actually made for the Game Boy. Well, like Harry Potter's like uh, Media Center or something like that, or some sort of like... Uh, actually, one of them was yeah. uh, uh, Harry Potter and the Quidditch World Cup, um, which would make sense, yeah. playing Quidditch. And um, yeah, the co- a couple more. Uh, there's quite a large list. Honestly, now I can see that they made games up until the Half-Blood Prince, Oh, Deathly Hollows Part 1, Part 2 also on PlayStation 3, actually, and also on Nintendo DS. And then they indeed made a um, sort of a compilation by Lego, Lego Harry Potter Years 1 and 4, and Lego Harry Potter Years 5 to 7. And yeah, there's a couple yeah. of more ones, because ah, that's the book I've been trying to tell you about, Fantastic Beasts. That was the spin-off. Uh, oh, JK I Rowling thought you meant wrote. like a smaller book, like Beetle Bard or something like that. Well, there, there, is, there was Harry Potter's Hogwarts Mysteries, which also turned into a mobile game. Um, <laughs> but not that significant, but Fantastic Beasts was quite a hit. Um, if you're really interested in this, um, they actually released in 2012 a game called Book of Spells. Uh, which dives more into the magical part. Uh, released for PlayStation 3, actually. Mm. Quite an interesting game, quite good reviews. Yeah. Well, I uh, I actually, uh, there was a game actually that I played on the mobile uh, before I started university and got significantly busier, uh, which was Wizards Unite. I hear like a, a lot about that. Pokemon yeah. Go kind of like Harry Potter game. It's okay. Uh yeah, but just yeah, it's not as big. It's as, I mean, yeah. it doesn't convey the whole magical experience part the way the other games did. Plus, what I always thought was a nice addition to to the games is that you get to buy your own wa- wand, you get to buy your own broomstick, your own pets. I always thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's more personal. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so we're going to transition into some fun facts that you may not have known about Harry Potter. Yay! So the first fun fact. 
uh, J.K. Rowling was actually originally asked to play Lily Potter, but she declined it since she didn't feel like she could portray Lily Potter as well as a professional actress could. Uh, just as simple as waving your hand in a mirror, just it was too much for her, and so she she declined it. Well, over the last uh, period, you could see that J.K. Rowling is, I think, not really a person who wants to stand on stage or on the foreground or in the spotlight. So I kind of understand where this comes from. I don't necessarily think it's the waving in the mirror because anybody could have done that, I guess. I'm not an actor again. Um, But if you see over the last few months with the whole storm going on around her Twitter account, um, she means well, I think, but she uh, really has a difficulty being in the spotlight. Yeah, no, I I get that completely. that can be hard to kind of express and, and learn from yeah. perhaps prior beliefs uh, in this day and age. So, yeah, it is tough. And I think she was also exposed to lots of famous people. So I think that also kind of makes it difficult for somebody who doesn't want to be in the spotlight. And still, you know, people like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. <laughs> I love your way with segues. It's a, it's well, I know Michael Jackson has actually approached J.K. Rowling and brought up the idea of having a Harry Potter musical celebrating the end of the, the film series. Um, but I also know that J.K. Rowling wasn't really on board with that. No, I, I, I think the thing about Michael Jackson is he's very performance and very showy. And uh, knowing kind of what he's done for the past he did what he did do for the past like 30 ish years yes uh it would probably be something that was very extravagant and this is yeah i think this also contradicts what jk rowling also kind of is it's a bit more quiet it's a bit more yeah yeah and uh yeah i think i think honestly i think uh it would have been not what we would have liked no, and I also think those those characters, I mean, from an outsider, they don't really match where I always perceived Michael Jackson as seem who's very bombastic, who had a lot going on, an entourage, glitz and glam and everywhere. And there is J.K. Rowling, preferably, you know, writing a plot in a book in a corner with a small light. Yeah, my so, parents actually went to the cafe where J.K. Rowling... Uh, really? Yeah, because they were looking at uh, places in Scotland to, uh, to move to. And Scotland seems such a nice country to move to. I don't know why, but yeah, it's uh, it's on their it's on their eyesight in uh in it's the quiet, next though. couple of years. Yeah, but you know, it could be um, you know great new opportunity uh, other than Hawaii. So so yeah, but uh, but they went to the same cafe and coffee shop where she sat down, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's a very nice. Very nice experience. Well, she must have fixed some pretty large plot hole in there because I remember for the Goblet of Fire, she had a giant plot hole to fix originally, um, which is why the book was so much longer than all the other books. Because if you have them all stacked into your book closet, you see that the Goblet of Fire is just significantly thicker. Yeah, no, that was the first thing I noticed. I, I When I was at school, I noticed this kid with this giant green... Uh, book that was bigger than any book I'd ever seen a, a kid read at that point and it was like Harry Potter and he, I think he was like stirring something mm. uh, but yeah it was um, it was very much the biggest book I'd ever seen and I think that also kind of intimidated me 
but I think it intimidated a lot of us because I didn't make it through the second book, not even also because I was a dyslexic and, you know, Fair. reading wasn't one of my fortes. Now I love it, but at that time, nah. But the good thing with Goblet of Fire is one of the books I actually started reading because the romance was available in the books. And I, you know, you're a young girl hoping to find Prince Charming. What's better than to read a story about a little bit of romance? What, what kind of romance was in the book that wasn't in the movie? Well, the, the, it was a bit more lengthy um, than what was in the movies. You had a bit more background info. Uh, a bit more of the juicy deets. Yeah. Oh, good God. You know, being a young girl, you know, teenager. Yeah, it was juicy enough for me at that time. Mm. Now I know why my girlfriend loves those books so much. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Talk about crushes. Speaking of crushes, uh, both Daniel and Rupert, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, yeah, uh, and Rupert Grint, both had crushes on Emma uh, in the earlier movies when they were working together. They both admitted to these crushes. She was cute, though. Still is. Yeah, I mean, she was a kid, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine if you're working with someone your age for, for that long, you kind Plus of Plus 10 years, yeah. Some sort of crush on them. And funny enough, Daniel... Uh, was not the only famous Harry Potter cast member that auditioned for the role of Harry Potter, but also Tom Felton, who played Draco Malfoy, uh, auditioned for Harry I've Potter heard and this. Ron. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine a Harry Potter that was blonde or a Ron that was blonde? At this time, no, because if you tell me Ron Weasley, I immediately have this picture in my head of this ginger, which is kind of weird because usually gingers are bad. You know, Zelda all and Ganondorf and all. Um, but no, Ron Weasley is Leprechauns. definitely ginger. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh, but Draco Malfoy, uh, Tom Felton, he actually had to dye his hair blonde for, for the entire... Sh He's actually uh, a bit more of a brunette. Really? Uh, like oh, a, like so a lighter weird. brunette. But, but ah. yeah, he had to dye it that color for so long. And uh, people, of course, associated that blonde hair with him mm. uh, for majority of his childhood but he actually that's not his hair color and yeah it's it's i think it kind of did a little bit of color damage but for sure i mean that much of heavy dyeing is not really good for you no can't be and uh but yeah so that's a little fun fact um and he actually uh i also know this from watching an interview he actually was lined up uh from these actors that were auditioning and the producer, uh, I think it was David Finch, mm. uh, if I recall, went through uh, each of the kids and asked, uh, what's your favorite book? What's your favorite book? And when he got to Tom Felton, um, he, he asked him what his favorite book was. And Tom had never read a Harry Potter book. And so he's just kind of faked the one that... Uh, that the other kids said and he's like oh yeah that's my favorite too but but he could tell uh he was lying and so that's when he was like okay that's that's the uh the draco malfoy because of the way he did it was just a little bit like oh yeah it's uh yeah that's my favorite book too and and so yeah from that uh from not reading the book he ultimately was able to nail the role of uh draco malfoy well it did him well because i think he had quite good career after that as well it wasn't his only movie thing he'd done. Mm. Really? Yeah. Well, of course not, but 
I can't think of the other projects off the top of my mind now. Since no, talking but I know about. most of the kids starting on Harry Potter usually were able to develop quite a career after that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe like does <laughs> does a lot of stuff now. He's really trying to break that Harry Potter kind of... Uh, which I think also yeah. is difficult because he was such a, you know, he's such a known character with the glasses and this little thunder thing on top of his head. So, yeah, I think that's pretty difficult because Did it defines it. you notice it, like in the later films? I saw it kind of disappear over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has disappeared a little bit over time. Where it was very prominently present in the first four movies, it kind of disappeared over time where it would almost not be visible anymore. But then again, they brought other stuff in, which was pretty interesting. So that was good. Yeah, and Tom Felton did go on to star in other movies such as Ryzen, Ophelia, Anna and the King, which he actually shot before he did Harry Potter, mm. and Breaking for Wales. Really? So among uh. his other achievements. Well, good for him. Yeah. I mean, making a career for himself. Kudos for you. So. And then the f final, final fun fact is in the first book, I remember this one when Fred and George bewitched uh, snowballs to hit Professor uh, Quirrell in the back of the head on his turban. Uh, they undoubtedly hit Voldemort in the face, which if you think about it, you know, just Voldemort can't do anything. He can't move and he just gets, gets like just powed with but snowballs. That's interesting because they never made any references to that in any other movies. It's very interesting because that never came up. He never even talked about that in later scenes. Yeah. he Of course, he's not going to bring it up because it's a shameful like part. Like, he didn't say, oh, yeah, I was on the back of like this dude's head. You know, Can for, you imagine for living years. in someone's turban? Ooh. Yeah, I mean... How do you wash the turban? Do you throw it in a dryer? How do you shower? You know, Ugh. when you wash your face, where do you stop? Ugh. <laughs> so Oh, <laughs> uh, and oh yeah. my god, a turban also gets exposed to him visiting the toilet. And do you also brush your teeth like once in the front and then once in the back? Like, how does that work as well? Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Oh, God. But Voldemort doesn't strike me as someone who flosses. Anyways, um, <laughs> what are we talking about next week? So, next week, we'll do a, uh, a film franchise that is beloved by myself and my sisters in fact every time we go to universal studios uh, especially to harry potter world we always make it a point to visit this one section this next episode that we'll be talking about is indeed jurassic park i can't wait i mean it always gives me such an adventurous vibe i remember seeing the movie when i was young and i was like oh my god and it always kept me interested even all the movies that came after that. And I remember going to the one in Universal Studios where they actually have a bit of park there. I was very young and I was so impressed with the entire dinosaur there. <laughs> and my uh, my friend actually, uh, who lives in the same building uh, as me, her dad uh, worked for 20th Century Fox and actually has a hat from Jurassic Park 3 because he helped work on the project. Really? Yeah. It's one Maybe of we can get facts. a picture. Of the hat? Yeah, for on the podcast. Yeah, sure. I mean, she has it in her apartment. So, yeah, she, she took it. <laughs> Great. That's those cool things. So, guys, don't forget to tune in. I think we're closing with a song. Yeah, we'll be closing with a song. This is, uh, this is the final song from, uh, from Harry Potter. This is the one that we all heard at the very end. This is uh, Farewell Hogwarts by John Williams. 
but first just a little bit of Jurassic Park just for me <laughs> so you guys in case you haven't noticed Jonathan really loves Jurassic Park this is going to be one of his favorite episodes next week so please do not forget to tune in for this one we're very excited about it and if you're listening to this please share with us your favorite moment after Jurassic Park movies you can do that via Instagram or by sending us an email on blastfromthepastpodcast.gmail.com alright And thank you so much. We'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye. Learn.